Chapter 7 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 1. This is LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius, Book 1, by Niccolo Machiavelli. Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson. Chapter 7. Chapter 7. That to preserve liberty in a state there must exist the right to accuse. To those set forward in a commonwealth as guardians of public freedom, no more useful or necessary authority can be given than the power to accuse, either before the people or before some council or tribunal, those citizens who in any way have offended against the liberty of their country. A law of this kind has two effects most beneficial to a state. First, that the citizens, from fear of being accused, do not engage in attempts hurtful to the state, or doing so, are put down at once and without respect of persons. And next, that event is given for the escape of all those evil humors, which from whatever cause gather in cities against particular citizens, for unless an outlet be duly provided for these by the laws, they flow into irregular channels and overwhelm the state. There is nothing, therefore, which contributes so much to the stability and permanence of a state as to take care that the fermentation of these disturbing humors be supplied by operation of law with a recognized outlet. This might be shown by many examples, but by none so clearly as by that of Coriolanus, related by Livius, where he tells us that at a time when the Roman nobles were angry with the plebeians, thinking that the appointment of tribunes for their protection had made them too powerful, it happened that Rome was visited by a grievous famine, to meet which the Senate sent to Sicily for corn. But Coriolanus, hating the commons, sought to persuade the Senate that now was the time to punish them and to deprive them of the authority which they had usurped to the prejudice of the nobles by withholding the distribution of corn and so suffering them to perish of hunger, which advice of his coming to the ears of the people kindled them to such fury against him that they would have slain him as he left the Senate house had not the tribunes cited him to appear and answer before them to a formal charge in respect of this incident. I repeat what I have just now said, how useful and necessary it is for republics to provide by their laws a channel by which the displeasure of the multitude against a single citizen may find a vent. For when none such is regularly provided, recourse will be had to irregular channels, and these will assuredly lead to much worse results. For when a citizen is borne down by the operation of the ordinary laws, even though he be wronged, little or no disturbance is occasioned to the state. The injury he suffers not being wrought by private violence, nor by foreign force, which are the causes of the overthrow of free institutions, but by public authority and in accordance with public ordinances which having definite limits set them, 
and not likely to pass beyond these so as to endanger the commonwealth. For proof of which, I am content to rest on this old example of Coriolanus, since all may see what a disaster it would have been for Rome had he been violently put to death by the people. For, as between citizen and citizen, a wrong would have been done affording ground for fear. Fear would have sought defense. Defense have led to faction, faction to divisions in the state, and these to its ruin. But the matter being taken up by those whose office it was to deal with it, all the evils must have followed had it been left in private hands were escaped. In Florence, on the other hand, and in our own days, we have seen what violent commotions follow when the people cannot show their displeasure against particular citizens in a form recognized by the laws. In the instance of Francesco Valori, at one time looked upon as the foremost citizen of our republic, but many thinking him ambitious, and likely from his high spirit and daring to overstep the limits of civil freedom, and there being no way to oppose him save by setting up an adverse faction, the result was that, apprehending irregular attacks, he sought to gain partisans for his support, while his opponents, on their side, having no course open to them of which the laws approved, resorted to courses of which the laws did not approve, and at last to open violence. And as his influence had to be attacked by unlawful methods, these were attended by injury not only to him, but to many other noble citizens. Whereas, could he have been met by constitutional restraints, his power might have been broken without injury to any save himself. I might also cite from our Florentine history the fall of Piero Soderini, which had no other cause than there not being in our republic any law under which powerful and ambitious citizens can be impeached. For to form a tribunal by which a powerful citizen is to be tried, eight judges only are not enough. The judges must be numerous, because a few will always do the will of a few. But had there been proper methods for obtaining redress, either the people would have impeached Piero if he was guilty, and thus have given vent to their displeasure without calling in the Spanish army, or if he was innocent, would not have ventured, through fear of being accused themselves, to have taken proceedings against him. So that in either case, the bitter spirit, which was the cause of all the disorder, would have had an end. Wherefore, when we find one of the parties in a state calling in a foreign power, we may safely conclude that it is because the defective laws of that state provide no escape for those malignant humors which are natural to men, which can best be done by arranging for an impeachment before a sufficient number of judges, and by giving countenance to this procedure. This was so well contrived in Rome that in spite of the perpetual struggle maintained between the commons and the senate, neither the senate nor the commons nor any single citizen ever sought redress at the hands of a foreign power. For having a remedy at home, there was no need to seek one abroad.
Although the examples above cited be proof sufficient of what I affirm, I desire to adduce one other, recorded by Titus Livius in his history, where he relates that a sister of Aaron's, having been violated by a Lucomo of Clusium, the chief of the Etruscan towns, Aaron's being unable, from the interest of her ravisher, to avenge her, betook himself to the Gauls, who ruled in the province we now name Lombardy, and besought them to come with an armed force to Clusium, showing them how, with advantage to themselves, they might avenge his wrongs. Now, had Aaron's seen that he could have had redress through the laws of his country, he never would have resorted to these barbarians for help. But as the right to accuse is beneficial in a republic, so calumny, on the other hand, is useless and hurtful, as in the following chapter I shall proceed to show. End of chapter 7